Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. On today's podcast, are vegetable and seed oils bad for your health? Stick around. Here at Things You Should Know Podcast, our focus varies from commonly asked questions like, what are the top email apps for iPhone users? Or, how much does it cost to go to Disney World anyway? To the trending topics of the day, such as, are taxes going up or down? And who's Elon Musk? We shed light on things you probably have always wondered about, but you never got around to investigating them yourself. This podcast brings you the answers to your most commonly asked questions and makes you smarter just by listening. Information empowers, and the more information you have, the better decisions you can make, and ultimately, your quality of life is based on the decisions you make. So, thanks for joining the discussion, and make sure that you subscribe today and not miss out on any future episodes of Things You Should Know. Hey guys, welcome to Things You Should Know. Today is July the 30th. July for 2021 is almost out the door, and we're heading into August, getting closer and closer to that fourth quarter of 2021. And I hope you guys are having a great day. Today's a Friday, so I hope you are coming up on the end of a great week and heading into a great weekend. Welcome back to another great podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about vegetable oil and seed oils today. Obviously, one of the things that we do here on the channel is inform and empower you, particularly when it comes to your body. What are healthy choices for you? We want to provide you with that sort of information. So the next time you're at the grocery store, you're doing the best you can with the information you have to extend the life of the vessel, the only one that you have. So stick around for a pretty informative uh, podcast today. First timers, welcome aboard. My name is Kelly. I'm the host of the show. It is always my pleasure to welcome our first timers in as well as our old timers, guys that have been hanging around and keeping us going for the last seven months. We really do appreciate uh, your support. Uh, we put out a podcast every other day here, and you'll hear uh, toward the end of the podcast how you can subscribe to the podcast if you want a little bit more. You know, uh, a little bit more from the podcast is available uh, on a subscription level. So we've got that for you as well. I'm excited about the content because this is a question that is always asked. Uh, you may uh, know if you've been listening to the podcast for some time, I'm a pretty um, avid uh, reader 
and also a plant-based person. So this particular question comes up in all of the communities, uh, plant-based or not, as it relates to oils. Because uh, first of all, what are they? Are they good for you? Are they not? Are some? Are some not? We're going to, as comprehensively as possible, go through a list today. And as we do, we've got our research already done. We've got about three articles that we're going to put on our Facebook page. Make sure you go and follow us and like us there. And you can read these articles in their entirety at your leisure. But we're going to compare them today and see what they say to point us in a direction of some sort of fact-finding truth. Okay? Uh, As a plant-based person, I don't necessarily eat fried foods anymore with the exception of maybe some fried cauliflower every now and then. Uh, I do a lot of pan searing for portobellos, different types of mushrooms, different sorts of uh, vegetables. And every now and then, well, not every now and then, for the most part, even if I have a nonstick pan that I'm using, I like to use a little bit of oil to make sure that my vegetables don't stick to my pan. Now, I just came back from a retreat where we were um, uh, doing a team building activity that included a, a private chef. And the chef was teaching us how to do different plates. Well, I was one of the only plant-based people there. So what would happen is the chef would provide instruction on, you know, the meat. And then, of course, he would do something different for me. I noticed that the oil that he was using was different. Uh, we were at a winery, so there was really high-grade olive oil, actual olive oil. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes because if you don't know, there are a lot of folks selling what they're saying is olive oil that's really not olive oil, and it's quite problematic. But back to my uh, cooking class, one of the entrees, actually it was a salad, uh, the, the salad before the entree, that he was cooking for the rest of the the group included a pork belly bacon. And what he would do is he would use the rendered fat off of that pork belly in order to, you know, lubricate the pan for uh, the other ingredients that need to go in the pan. Now I'm not someone that eats animal byproducts. So for me, he he utilized a small portion of olive oil, okay? So my point in saying that is depending on the type of food that you eat, uh, you can lubricate your cooking uh, vessel, your, your, your uh, pans in a different way. Now, obviously, you know that pork belly and the rendered fat Uh, off of that pork belly is not something that you want to eat in large quantities, nor is the pork belly. But if you're a meat eater and you eat that sort of stuff, fine. Uh, But what we're going to talk about today are actual oils, because there's always a question of what's good for me and what are they made of and in what quantities. So sit back and let's learn. So first of all, what are these oils? What actually are they? 
Seed oil is uh, actually a vegetable oil that's obtained from seeds, what's, uh, what's considered an endosperm of the plant, rather than the fruit of the plant. Most vegetable oils are seed oils, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. You've heard of olive oil, avocado oil, things like that. Some common examples are sunflower oil, canola oil, and sesame oil. There are some important vegetable oils that are not seed oils, such as olive oil and avocado oil. Now, why seed and vegetable oils may be bad for you? Well, first of all, in my research, I found out that these particular oils, if you're not careful, not getting the right brand and not getting the right type, are very heavily processed. Okay? Two things primarily are wrong. Well, let me say that better. Two things that you want to be aware of when you're looking for for an oil. One, that they are highly processed. Number two is that they uh, obtain a very high omega-6 fatty acid content. Why is that important? Well, Omega-6 fatty acids in a high dosage has been drawn and linked to through several studies to high inflammatory inflammatory uh, types of uh, issues in the body. So if you intake, uh, for example, eating industrial seed oils raises your omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acid ratios, and they could significantly have consequences on your health. And these oils are highly uh, inflammatory. So we talked in a couple podcasts ago about some of the things that are precursors to, to, to you know, bad health. And one of the things we talked about was uh, constant uh, inflammation within your system. You do not want ongoing inflammation. That's one of the things that you do not want. And anything that's going to cause inflammation in your system, you want to decrease it. You want to decrease it. So I just wanted to kind of give you those pointers as we uh, began. Now, uh, there are some healthy oils, and we're going to talk about that today. But there are also some oils that you should just uh, consider not using at all because they're highly processed and because they have such high concentrations of these omega fatty acids. All right. So here we go. First of all, the consumption, I don't know if you do the grocery shopping in your house like I do in mine, but the consumption of these oils has really increased. When I was a kid, I told you guys I grew up in the country. And so my mom would cook with lard actual like it, it would come out of the can the crisco can you would pop the top it looked like a big coffee can you pop the top and you would scoop it out with either a big spoon or something that looks like an ice cream scooper you throw it into this hot cast iron pan and it was in a big lump and the hotter it got the more it melted down into a clear oil and that's what my mom used to cook fish and chicken and pork chops or whatever else that we ate. Now, on top of that, she would, as you you guys may identify if you're, you're in my age group, 
my mom would drain that oil. She wouldn't throw it away. She would drain that oil and put it right back into a different can, which was an older can to preserve it for the next time that she was going to use it. So the oil will be used a number of times before it was eventually and ultimately discarded. And this is the way we ate. This is the way we ate. And it never occurred to me looking at what was transpiring that none of this was something that should be going inside of my vessel, but we'll leave that for another story. What I'll tell you is most mainstream health professionals consider oils uh, healthy generally, but vegetable oils may cause health problems as well. Health effects depend on what fatty acids that the oils contain, what plants they're extracted from, how they're processed, how heavily they're processed. Um, In this particular article, this comes to us from healthline.com. And they go to the lengths of telling us where these oils actually come from. And they give us a top a list of oils that they would actually overall avoid. And that's what I want to uh, to get to you. So let's see. What are they and how are they made? Why don't we start there? What are they and how are they made? Because, again, we want to be empowered. We want to know. And this can help us in discerning what types. I'm not suggesting you stop using oils. What I want you to know is how to choose an appropriate oil so you don't put yourself in a deficit in terms of health. And you're eating something that you think may be good for you. And it's actually not. Because for the most part, when people think of oils, they don't necessarily think they're bad, particularly if it's avocado oil, uh, something that says vegetable, peanut, that sort of thing. They don't know. So that's why we're researching this. Uh, All right. So let's get going. So first of all, most of them, as you know, from marketing standpoint, are going to be labeled heart healthy and they're going to be recommendations, you know, for you to for you to eat it. So the the brand itself is not going to uh, do you any justice because, quite honestly, they're marketing. They're trying to sell. They're trying to make money. So it's going to be up to you to read the contents and understand what uh, omega six, omega three, uh, saturated fats, and these sorts of things are, and what quantities are okay to put into your body. It's not going to cause a long term and lasting effect and what quantities could cause uh, some sort of issues. Now, the reason why vegetables, vegetable oils are considered heart healthy is that studies have shown consistently uh, they've linked them to polyunsaturated fats that reduce the risk of heart problems compared with saturated fats. Okay. So unsaturated versus saturated Uh, despite their potential health benefits. However, some scientists are worried, concerned, about how much of these oils people are actually consuming. In other words, you're taking it to the extreme. While one glass of wine may be okay and it will benefit you, most doctors will tell you one glass of red wine is actually preferred each day. It comes from the grape, comes from the ground, uh, the nutrients in the wine for your blood. It's a good thing. But if you're drinking two and three bottles a day, obviously you're taking this to the extreme. Same with the oils. The concerns mostly apply this for the oils. The concerns mostly apply that contain, again, omega-6 fats, omega-6 fats. Um, 
you want to avoid vegetable oils with high levels of omega-6 fats. For example, coconut oil and olive oil are both excellent choices for oils. However, consider these that I'm about to give you because they have very high concentrations of omega-6. So listen carefully. These, these next few have very high concentrations of omega-6. Number one, soybean oil. Number two is corn oil. Number three, I've never heard of, cottonseed oil. Number four is sunflower oil, peanut oil, sesame oil, and rice bran oil. Now, both omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids are essential fatty acids, so let's not become confused. These the, the fatty acids in themselves are not bad. We're talking quantity, quantity, and highly processed. So let's make sure we understand that. The fatty acids are essential for health, but too much can push you over the edge. Some of these acids in your diet are good. Too many is bad. Um, Throughout evolution, humans got the omega-6 and omega-3 insert ratios. While this ratio differed between populations, it's estimated that it's really like a one-to-one ratio. Again, scientists have hypothesized that too much omega-6 relative to omega-3 may contribute to chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation is an underlying factor in so many diseases here in the West. Uh, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, arthritis, anything that's going to create chronic inflammation in your body, you want to get rid of. You want that out of your diet. Long, the longer you have inflammation in your body, the more, the higher probability it is for you to create a long-term problem. Okay. Observational studies have also associated a high intake of omega-6 fat to an increased risk of obesity, heart disease, arthritis, and IBS, inflammatory bowel disease. Let's take a quick break. Hey, I'm going to get you back to that episode really quick. I know you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to say thank you, break in really quick to say thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Three things really quickly. Number one, thank you for listening. Number two, please go down in the show notes. We have a new um, way to communicate, and it is through text. So we'd love to hear from you guys. So please send us a text message when you're done listening to this episode. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. And then lastly, please go into our digital store. We've got a lot of digital products there that can help you be supported throughout these content deliveries throughout the podcast. There are ways for you to download these worksheets and ebooks and different things that can help really solidify some of the content that we talk about here on Rethink Podcast. Thank you guys so much, and I'll get you back to your episode. Um. Other studies investigating the effects of omega-6 fat consumption generally do not support the idea that these fats increase inflammation. So you've got some conflicting reports out there. For, for example, eating a lot of uh, 
linoleic acid, which is the most common omega-6 fat, doesn't appear to affect blood levels of inflammatory markers. Scientists do not fully understand what affects the omega-6 fats on the body, and more studies are needed. But they have drawn conclusions to too much omega-6 in terms of the ratio to omega-3 can cause chronic inflammation. Now, saturated and monosaturated or polyunsaturated fats differ from the number of double bonds their chemical structures contain. For example, saturated fats, there are no double bonds. Monounsaturated fat, one double bond. Polyunsaturated fats, two or more double bonds. The problem with polyunsaturated fats is that all of these double bonds make themselves susceptible to oxidation. Okay? Fatty acids react with oxygen in the atmosphere and start deteriorating. The fat you eat isn't only stored as fat tissue or burnt for energy. It's also incorporated into cell membranes. So if you have a lot of polyunsaturated fat acids in your body, your cell membranes are more sensitive to oxidation. What does that all that mean? You have a very high level of fragile fatty acids that can easily be degraded to form harmful compounds. And for this reason... It may be best um, to eat polyunsaturated fats in moderation. Be aware of that. Polyunsaturated fats, that should be a word that you know. Vary your diet by eating a mix of healthy saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated fats. Should be a mixture. All right, so... Vegetable oils and heart disease. What is the correlation? What is the relation, Kelly? Vegetable oils and heart disease. Health officials often recommend vegetable oils for those at risk of heart disease. The reason is that vegetable oils are generally low in saturated fat and high in polyunsaturated fat. The benefits? A reduced saturated fat intake, you should know, are controversial. Studies show that replacing saturated fat with polyunsaturated fat reduces the risk of heart problems by 17%. But it has no significant effects on the risk of death from heart disease. So let me just stop right here and say this. I've gotten to the point now where if someone you, you'll notice I do this in the on, on the podcast, but I've gotten to the point now where if someone is trying to explain to me something that they consider to be factual, I'd like to know scientifically how that is. So it usually it usually comes from a study or some sort of um, uh, scientific paper. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is because there are studies after study after study that indicate uh, one thing or another as it relates to vegetable oil. And as I went through this personally, um, there's just as much information or support on either side of the argument. If someone says, hey, you shouldn't eat it, 
vegetable oil, seed oils, they're bad for you. You could justify it through study. If someone says, no, 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 you, you can do it, but do it in moderation because some of the benefits are actually good. You could also justify through, through studies. So I'm bringing that to your attention because it's going to be up to you. It's going to be up to you. You know your current health situation. I would say this. If I had high blood pressure or if I had a history of heart disease in my family, if I have had heart disease currently in my lifetime, I would simply avoid oils altogether. Me, the non-doctor, FYI. I would avoid it all together. Now, they want to summarize in this article by saying vegetable oils are generally seem to be healthy sources of fat. Okay. In moderation. Also, hydrogenetic uh, vegetable oils that are high in unhealthy trans fats are an exception to this particular statement, though. Some nutritionists are also concerned about high amounts of polyunsaturated omega-6 fats found in certain vegetable oils. That's really the key to this, guys. If I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow and I'm looking on the back and I'm considering buying some oil, so I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to fry some whatever, but I want to see what oil I want to get. Or let's say if I want to get olive oil, if I want to get just any sort of oil for the house, I would pay attention to the amount of polyunsaturated omega-6 fats that's found in the oil. Very similar, and I hope you guys do this, very similar to the way if you're buying soup, which really to me is the only thing I would eat out of a can. I was told by a doctor a long time ago, don't ever eat anything out of a can. But we're not going to get off into that conversation. But if you want to get soup or um, some sort of lentil from a can, if you want to get soup or some sort of lentil from a bag, particularly soups, uh, if you like Asian ramen, noodles, pho, things like that, and if it's prepackaged in a bag, I'm telling you, this is the God's honest truth. The first thing you want to look for is the amount of sodium, sodium that it takes to keep this preserved. Obviously, you know, if food is in a bag and food is in a can, it has to be preserved. These are not things that you just plucked out of the ground, washed off and put into your body. That's the best case scenario. These are things that have been shipped in containers on vessels and on trucks to get to whatever store you're picking it up from. And who knows when it was canned and who knows when it was put in the bag. Things that have an expiration date on them have preservatives in them. And if you're going to eat that way, one of the things, because I do like ramen, I don't necessarily eat it out of a store like this. I'm just telling you because every now and then I'll, I'll get soup for the house, cans of soup and things like that. But I always pick soup that has the lowest amount of sodium. Why? Because it's the lowest amount of sodium. It's the lowest amount of salt and chemical in that particular can. So in the same way, if you're looking for oil, polyunsaturated, the omega-6 that they are concerned, nutritionists are concerned that you will get more of in your system on a ratio level versus the omega-3 to offset, that is your concern. Polyunsaturated omega-6 fats. 
And if you get too much of that, you're talking about creating a system in your body that can really create some havoc further down the line. So that was our article from Healthline.com. We're going to jump over real quick and look at, we've got an article from NBC, and we have an article from Time Magazine. Time Magazine article is entitled, The 10 Best and Worst Oils for Your Health. Let's just kind of breeze through and see if they agree with our folks from Healthline. All right. So they start off with uh, olive oil. So they say, if you're wondering which is the best cooking oil for your health and which oils are not healthy, there's some disagreement. That's what I mentioned about the number of studies. There are studies on both sides. Time spoke to two cooking oil experts. One is a registered dietitian at Ohio State University. And the other is the author of a book called The Big Book of Healthy Cooking Oils about how to choose the best oil. Nutrition and cooking experts agree that one of the most versatile and healthy oils to cook with and to eat is olive oil. As long, it's a caveat, as long as it says extra virgin. So you want an oil that is not refined and overly processed. This is according to the doctor. An extra virgin label means that the oil is not refined and therefore of high quality. Extra virgin oil contains a large amount of monounsaturated fats. Olive oil also has a relatively low, a relatively lower, I should say, smoke point compared to other oils. So it's best for low and medium heat cooking. Also, it's one of the healthiest oils you can use when baking. As a dressing, it's great on salads. Um, And you can, I don't know why you would put it in a latte, but they're saying here that some people put it in their lattes. Now, one of the things to keep in mind uh, in the United States, sometimes olive oil, and this is what I was telling you about before in terms of this mismarketing and miscategorization, um, you need to be careful about olive oil. So one thing is in the United States, sometimes olive oil that's labeled extra virgin is not what it claims to be. Um, I'm trying to think of the, um, there's a Netflix special that talks about a crisis, a food crisis. I'm going to find it and I'm going to put it on our Facebook pages. It's, it's not coming to me right now. But they talk specifically, one of the first episodes, they talk specifically about the crisis and they labeled it as a crisis. I'm not just, you know, being dramatic. In the olive oil industry, where people were using so many different um, methods, let's say, of creating oils and labeling them olive oil, and they were really not. So you just got to be careful. For example, in 2015, the National Consumers League tested 11 different olive oils and found that six of them failed to meet the standards that classify as extra virgin. There is a list in the article that I'm going to put on Facebook of extra virgin olive oils that did pass the test. So here's where the value of listening to a podcast like this comes to you. You're not going to go out blind to the superstore, uh, uh, to the superstore. <laughs> That's hilarious because I was watching Superstore today and Superstore fans, 
<laughs> Excuse me. That's hilarious. So to the supermarket. So you're not going to go out blind to the supermarket. You're going to have your list because you're going to get it off our Facebook page. Here's a list of extra virgin olive oils that did pass the test. You want to be empowered. When you go, you want to know these have been tested and they are what they say they are. And they include widely available brands like California Olive Ranch, uh, uh, Lucini, and Colavita. Now, I will tell you this because I've purchased olive oil for a long time. Olive oil is not inexpensive. And if you just go for the bottom of the barrel, the cheapest ones, you may be getting that oil that's not really olive oil. Okay. So according to this particular nutritionist and this particular registered dietitian from Ohio State, they both agree that olive oil is one of the better oils that you can consume, assuming you're using this list and you're getting the right types of oil. And remember, you're looking for extra virgin in every case. Okay. Actually, you may want to just take this list and go to your cabinets now and just double check to make sure you have the right thing in your cabinets. Second, they have coconut oil here, and it says depending on who you ask, coconut oil should either be avoided or embraced. The main point, and I think you guys can make sense of this, but there's a lot of fat in coconut oil. So the main conflict is that it has high saturated fat content. Unlike other plant-based oils, coconut oil is primarily saturated, primarily saturated fat. Not everyone agrees that such a concentrated source of saturated fats is a no-go for health. In other words, they're willing to digest it anyway. But some experts, including the American Heart Association, argue that replacing foods that are high in saturated fat with healthier options can lower your blood cholesterol level. Blood cholesterol level. That's the important piece. All right, so what do they say about vegetable oil? The term vegetable oil is used to refer to an oil that comes from a plant, like I told you before, and the healthfulness of a vegetable oil depends on its source and ultimately what it's used for. Most vegetable oils on the market are a blend, that's important to understand, you got to read your labels, are a blend of canola, corn, soybean, uh, safflower, palm and sunflower oils, all of the oils that I told you to avoid, quite honestly. Generally, this is according uh, to the dietitian. She says, in quotes, generally, I tell people to use olive oil whenever you can instead of a corn or soybean oil, because, of course, they're on our list of oils not to use. But you can get some uh, you can get uh, much more benefit from the olive oil. Now, I'll tell you this. I've never seen someone fry something in olive oil. It may be possible. Uh, I've never seen it done. I think the burn rate and the smoke and all that stuff, I just don't think it it, it equates. Uh, so maybe that's why people are buying steel vegetable oil and things like that. Vegetable oils are refined and they're heavily processed, which means they're not, uh, they not only lack flavor, but they also lack nutrients. Vegetable oil is guaranteed to be highly processed. Again, vegetable oil is guaranteed to be highly processed. It's called vegetable so that the manufacturers can substitute whatever commodity or 
or or list of commodities of oils that they want. For example, soy, corn, cottonseed, canola. These are the ones that we told you to avoid. Okay. So let's see what they say about canola oil. Canola oil is derived from a, a wrap seed, a flowering plant, and contains good amounts of monounsaturated fats and a decent amount of polyunsaturated fats. Of the vegetable oils, the canola oil tends to have the least amount of saturated fats. Saturated. It has a high smoke point, which means it can be helpful for high heat cooking. That being said, in the United States, canola oil tends to be highly processed. Here, let's talk about highly processed. Why? Why are these things highly processed? Here's what you got to think: um, supply and demand. Let's think of it this way: supply and demand. So you have these uh, suppliers that are trying to meet the demand for their product, and they're trying to think of a way that they can increase their output, but also keeping their overhead down and provide to the end user a product that they want. How is it usually done? Well, if you're not willing to increase your uh, spend, your overhead, then what that translates to me as an educated consumer is that they're cutting corners somewhere. So when someone keeps saying highly processed, that means they're trying to create and provide a solution, not necessarily at a higher value, you know, uh, for you as the end user, uh, because they're not going to go and lose money on making you oil. Uh, They want to make this huge profit. So highly processed to me translates into doing as much as they can with as little or uh, lesser quality uh, commodities or source products in order to get you the end product. And I hope that makes sense. So anything that's highly processed, I would be susceptible. I mean, I, I, I would be critical of in terms of wanting to purchase. Um, avocado oil here. They said avocado oil is a great choice. This is what we told you before. Avocado oil, I will tell you, is not inexpensive. It is uh, unrefined like extra virgin oil. So it doesn't go through that high process, uh, you know, oil. So let's think of it like this with, with olive oil, even with coconut oil and also, uh, avocado oil. These are vegetables uh, where you can actually physically with your hands squeeze them and see that some sort of oil will come out of them. So you can imagine you don't really have to process that to a large degree in order to make it happen. But if somebody tells you soybean or peanuts or something like that, and this is an oil, you got to say, well, how did you get oil from a peanut? What did you do to it? Well, it's highly processed. Think of it that way. All right. So what else? Uh, Avocado oil does have a higher smoking point, uh, which means it can be used to cook at higher heat. And it's great for stir fries. Uh, It has a very good flavor. Uh, It's a good option in terms of, you know, for cooking. And according to the dietitian, it's creamy like an avocado. So it's a good choice. It does contain monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. It has one of the highest monounsaturated fat contents among the cooking oils, as well as vitamin E. The one downside is it tends to be, like I said at the beginning, more expensive. So like the olive oil, 
Sometimes you see olive oil, and you're like, man, this thing is like 12 bucks, $15. And he said, oh, here's one over here. It's $3.99, $4.99. Please, I'm not telling you what to spend, but I am telling you to just flip the bottle over, see how processed this is, and determine if you want to spend less and get something that's not going to be good to your body. All right, so there's sunflower seed oil and peanut oil, which both we've told you to avoid. And here's one uh, that a lot of people ask about a lot of times, and that's flaxseed oil. Flaxseed oil is high in omega-3s, and it has a very low smoke point, which means it also shouldn't be used for cooking. This is one that should not be used for cooking. According to this article, they use it for dressing, which is great. You want to create your own dressing, something light, some, you know, uh, something tasty. Flaxseed oil may be the way to go. What about sesame oil? Well, sesame oil, this oil is often used uh, for potent flavor. Goes a long way. I think a lot of us have used this for uh, a couple of different things. It contains both monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fat acids. It's not especially high in other nutrients, though. It has a high smoke point, and it can be used uh, for some high heat recipes if you have those. Okay, so for the most part, this article from Time Magazine agrees with what we read over in um, uh, Healthline. So let's look at NBC really quick. It's just a few points I'll bring out here, and I'm going to put these on our Facebook page so that you can go and take a look. Uh, they go through pretty much the same deal. Avocado oil, they agree. That is one of the more popular oils. It does have a high smoke point and uh, it makes it ideal for all purpose oil cooking, high heat cooking. They say here really high heat cooking up to and around 520 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. I never knew that. So avocado oil is rich in monounsaturated fats, which we already said, specifically oleic acid or omega-9. Is considered a heart-healthy oil with the potential of lower LDL. LDL is the bad cholesterol, by the way. Now, culinary nutri uh, 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 dietitian and author of the book, An All-Natural Diabetes Cookbooks, adds that you shouldn't expect to get all of the same benefits of eating avocado by using just the oil. I think we understand that, right? We're not eating an actual avocado. Many people will say avocado is full of fat, and then they'll follow up and say, yeah, but it's the good fat. And you're eating avocado on your salad or on your taco or just you're eating avocado and maybe some guac and some dip. It's all good. But if you're eating the oil, you do know you're not getting all the nutrients you would normally get if you were eating an actual avocado. Uh, Sunflower seed oil. Believe it or not, there are some oils that are made entirely from these tiny sunflower seeds. Smoke point is about 450, which is pretty high. It's often used for sauteing or stir frying or deep frying or baking. That's one of the things. Sunflower seed oil I've never cooked with, but according to them, this is something that you can actually fry with. And this is the one I'm going to leave you on, and I'm going to give you some homework so you can look through the rest of this. But a grapeseed oil, because I'm going to tell you the thing about grapeseed oil. If you ask 10 chefs, 10 nutritionists, well, maybe just 10 chefs about grapeseed oil, five will tell you left, five will tell you right. I asked a while ago when I first became uh, vegan, 
uh, I had a vegan chef, a friend of mine. I asked her, I said, listen, I'm struggling with these oils. Which oil should I go for? She said, grapeseed oil is the oil you want to you wanna go to. Well, I was at an event and the chef said, hey, grapeseed oil has been linked to cancer and blah, 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 blah. And so you have these studies and this, that, and the other. So let's see what they say here about grapeseed oil. Obviously, it's made from the seeds of grapes, and uh, those are normally discarded in the winemaking process. The smoke point for grapeseed oil is about 420 degrees, which makes it a high smoke point and a clean cook. It's ideal for all-purpose oil or usage. Um, Grapeseed oil is rich in omega-6 fatty acids. It can be a healthy, heart-friendlier Option than cooking with a fat, high in saturated or trans fat type of oil or butter or margarine or shortening. Shortening is what I was describing to you that my mom used years ago out of that Crisco can. Now, the nutritionist here notes that research has found that high intake of omega 6, remember, links to inflammation, and that's where we don't want to go. So too much of the grapeseed oil is not going to be good for you. So we're going to use it in the right moderation. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, they say olive oil is good, coconut oil. We talked about the vegetable and peanut oil. Okay. So, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us on our vegetable oil. And here's I'm going to summarize for you. And I'm going to tell you how I feel about after I did this uh, massive amount of research. Well, not massive, but... What drove me was I would read an article, I would I would say, okay, then I'd read a different article, and I would be like, these two are in conflict, and so I needed more information, and I needed more information. And what I found is that it's one of these if-then situations. If you abide by the guidelines, which is moderation and in ratio, then good. But if you don't, then the same thing that we're calling good can be bad for you. Uh, The takeaways here, high polyunsaturated fat omega-6 is what you want to be looking for. Highly processed oils are what you want to avoid. If you are purchasing olive oil, you are looking for, first of all, the list that I put on our Facebook page, you want to grab that. But you want to look for extra virgin. Why? Why did we say? From class? We said that because extra virgin refers to the idea that it hasn't been highly processed. And all agreed that the avocado and the olive oils were the best way to go. Avocado, because the oil actually comes from the avocado itself and the seed, and it is one of the less processed oils. And it's good for you. It's got the good fat. So I hope you have found this informative. Uh, I hope you are cooking and cooking well and cooking healthy, cooking healthy, as healthy as you can. You're a little bit more empowered today. Guys, we'll be back in 48 hours with more impactful and empowering information. As always, I would ask you, please subscribe to the podcast. Please go over and check out our options for subscription service as well. And very, very soon, we'll have an option for you to listen and see us on YouTube. We really appreciate your support as we are entering in our eighth month, our eighth 
month. So we started back in January 19th and here we are coming up on August and you guys have been supporting us since day one. I want to say a big, big thank you. And we're working really hard on our end to make sure we're giving you what you want as it relates to content, as it relates to quality and just just completely providing you as much empowering, impactful information as we can to ensure that you've got what you need to make really good decisions that ultimately are going to help you have a very good quality of life. Okay, this is Kelly. I'm your host, and I'll see you in two days. Thanks. That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.